Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Ham and Egg News series, released June 26, 2017, titled Ken Ham vs. P.Z. Myers, Arc Wars. Hello, welcome to Apologia and another episode of Ham and Egg News, where I react to Ken Ham reacting to things. Hi, and welcome to Answers News. This is June 19th, um, 2017, and so we're all back together again. All right, three musketeers. Yeah. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Maybe, but maybe more like... <laughs> Oops, it's not working. Oh, yeah. it's not working today. Well, all right, we'll see what happens. And then, um, and we had an atheist visit... Can... Yeah, actually, an atheist visit. I'm stalling here, but I'll leave for so long. Yes, um, it's an atheist who hates Anson Genesis. Actually, hates Christians. Actually, hates God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, the atheist they're talking about is me. I'm PZ Myers. PZ Myers? How did... But... Wait. Ken Ham just said your name three times in a row. Is this some kind of Beetlejuice thing? Yes, they're talking about me. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's awesome. Anyone who can bother Ken Ham enough to be mentioned by name is welcome here. How did it happen? I'm a biologist at the University of Minnesota, Morris, and I was in Cincinnati for a, a, a big conference on zebrafish genetics and development and took a little time to head south and take a look at this, this great big Ark Encounter Museum. Well, there's obviously no one better to react to this story than you. The desk is yours. Apparently he came there, when was it? Friday? Friday. Friday. Um, yeah, and because and uh, somebody made us aware of all his tweets. That's right. So I visited the Creation Museum um, the Friday of the meeting and went through it and tweeted as I went, took some pictures, uh, just visited the whole thing and, and went through it floor by floor. Uh, this was not a great experience. I didn't enjoy it, and apparently they didn't enjoy my visit either. He was mocking and scoffing and saying all sorts of Even before things. he came. Well, let's, let's agree to that. Yes, I have been mocking Answers in Genesis for a long time. I'm a biologist, and I know a fair bit about evolution. And uh, the Ark Encounter and also the Creation Museum are ludicrous examples of nonsense. So they have no science in this museum. They have nothing rational in there. Uh, it's all designed to support their particular peculiar interpretation of the Bible. So yes, I was prepared to go in there and mock and criticize and be sarcastic, uh, not to disrupt anything, but just to have a good time tearing into it. Unfortunately, I was also very disappointed there. A certain atheist is planning to visit said theme park, and that was him, of course, and to write mocking, sarcastic posts about it. Uh, maybe it'll be a very quick visit if the creationists happen to recognize me. Unfortunately, it was a quick visit, but not because they chose to throw me out or anything. It was because there's simply not much in the museum. Yeah, everyone, fine. Everyone's welcome at the Arkham Counter. Yeah, so there's nobody, thousands nobody, going through every day. No, so. no, thousands every day. Nobody singles anyone out. That's one thing he did grudgingly refer to in his, <laughs> in his tweets, that there are a lot of people there. Wait a minute. No, 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 that's not true. I did not grudgingly acknowledge that. I said that flat out 
agreed with them. Uh, they do have pretty good attendance there. There's there's quite a few people that were attending. Fair number of cars in the parking lot. It was busy. So, you know, I, I quite agree that they've got an audience. They they draw them in and they actually enjoyed it while they were while they were there. Uh, where we disagree is, did they learn any science? No, there are lots of people going through the Ark Encounter and not getting a good exposure to real science. He didn't like the fact that there were a lot of kids there. And he said he wanted to just take them all aside and tell them it's a big lie. And... That's true, too. In my tweets, I mentioned uh, that there were a fair number of children there. In fact, there were a large number of families there. And uh, it, it was kind of depressing because they are not getting a critical evaluation of the evidence. Most of the evidence for evolution is just discarded by this place. So for them to go through and then get the idea that maybe they were learning something about science and evolution is grossly misleading. Uh, fortunately, while I was there, I did not see any uh, kids bust in from schools, from public schools, but I did see a large number of buses coming in from local church groups who are already deluded. Right, and I actually looked at his tweets, and from when he went into the ark to when he actually left, it was less than one hour and 15 minutes. Oh, that's really short. Well, the interesting <laughs> thing is, if I take people to the ark and just walk them through all three decks, sort of slowly, without even going into the exhibits to look at all the teaching that's mm -hmm. in there and all the signs, which is incredible amount, it takes me over two hours. That's actually kind of interesting. Um, I didn't time myself, but yeah, I could believe it was something over an hour, maybe more like an hour and a half. But uh, here's the deal. Yes, I was going in prepared to mock. And I went in looking for things to tear into. And what most, I want to use the word impressed, but impressed is probably not, not uh, quite the right word. Uh, what most struck me is that there is so little there. Uh, I spent an, about an hour and a half going through it. And part of that, a good part of that, maybe half an hour, was actually spent in the entranceway to the Ark Encounter, which is designed with a whole sort of a maze-like approach to basically throttle the rate that visitors come in. And so I spent about a half hour bored out of my skull, sitting there, wending my way along with the crowds through this route that leads you past boxes, wooden boxes, which they pretend are cages for the animals. They don't have any, actually have any animals in there. They don't even have any fake animals in there. What they've got instead is uh, animal noises playing constantly. So you're going through this for a half hour. There is no information. There's just this cacophony of animal noises as you go past empty boxes. And on top of that, to get you in the mood for the great flood, they've also got um, noises of a storm. So it's just this unpleasant, noisy, dusty, hot channel that you have to walk through to get to the interior of the ark proper. Um, you know, I could sort of see this if you were if you have a lot of people and you've got to slow down the rates of people getting through there. But when they say it takes them so long to go through there, part of it that is spent wasting time looking at empty wooden boxes. So he had to run fairly quickly through it. He had no intention of looking at any teaching. And that's simply flatly false. I did not have to run. I kind of ambled through there. Like I said, a good part of the beginning was uh, a bottleneck where they were slowing you down intentionally. Uh, but then I just kind of strolled through. And as he says, I'm looking for things to mock. And it's remarkable how little there is to see there. There's some dioramas. There's posters on the wall that tell you how old the earth is, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it's re it really is just a big wooden box, uh, very unimpressive, that there's, there's not much to learn from. 
you know, I'm, as I said, I'm a biologist. I've been to a fair number of museums. I've been to, for instance, they mentioned the Science Museum of Minnesota. Uh, the Science Museum of Minnesota, if you go there, you will find nonstop things to look at and interact with and learn from. They will have docents around who will explain things to you. Um, there's a cell biology lab that you get to experiment with. Uh, they have demonstrations every hour at least. They've got somebody coming out and doing a demonstration in the central stage. Uh, the Ark Encounter has nothing like that. It really is a, a sort of a self-guided stroll through a great big box. In fact, it's interesting how he says there's no teaching in there. That is correct. There is no teaching in there. I mean, I do, I do not consider... Um, a big poster on the wall saying how long the flood lasted and how many animals are on there to be a particularly interesting way of teaching things. Uh, let me read this. So, stay home, put a wooden crate on a dirt pile, have a friend grunt and make funny animal noises and metabate from it, and you have just replicated the Ark Encounter experience. And I stand by that. That is actually a correct assessment of what the Ark Encounter is like. Uh, the only way you can find this valuable and worthwhile to attend is if you're already thoroughly indoctrinated in creationist belief. And then what it is, is a great big box that affirms your prior preconceptions. That's why so many people can go through and come out happy with it, uh, because it doesn't challenge them. It doesn't instruct them in anything. That's a load of rubbish. Uh, one of the secular media reporters actually told me it was beyond Hollywood. Right there, you can just see that the hyperbole, beyond Hollywood. Uh, no, it's not. You know, I've, I've been to some theme parks and they are much more impressive than this. There really is literally nothing to do inside the big box except get Sunday school level lectures from the wall on the, on the Great Flood and creation and all that kind of nonsense. And uh, he tries to make out there's no science in there. There's definitely no science in there. Sorry. Um, not one. You know, if you've, got, if you've got an exhibit that is saying that the Earth is 6,000 years ago, 6,000 years old, that 4,300 years ago, there was a great flood that wiped out all life, all terrestrial life on the planet, except for this small set that were contained in, the, in this big wooden box. Um, you know you're not dealing with science. You're dealing with mythology, and you're doing, dealing with fundamentalist religion. We said there was 34,000 kinds that we say that. We don't say that. Actually, they do. They say that there are currently 34,000 species on the planet, and that they all come from this tiny little stock of root animals that were collected by Noah 4,000 years ago, uh, which is simply ridiculous. You cannot get that kind of diversity in that short a time uh, from such a small sample. We said there were 7,000 animals total and about yeah, 1,400. Uh, 7,000 animals total. How does that add up? So that the ark is occupied by 7,000 animals, all right. There were two of each kind, so we immediately cut it in half, 3,500 species. Um, if they've read their Bible, they also know that there were uh, seven of each clean kind. That's getting down to a pretty small number of species to start, to restart the entire population of animals on Earth. It, the, the numbers simply do not add up, and they're oblivious to these problems. He doesn't even read. He doesn't even report. Yeah, it, it, it is. They're very irritated. Um, not, like I said, I would have loved to have found things to uh, discuss and tear into, but the the... The so-called teachings are very thin on the wall there. He actually said, uh, compared to the real museums I've gone to, of course, it's a little big, uh, the numbers here would be considered a good day uh, at the Science Museum of Minnesota or yeah. Family Institute. Lots of old people, but lots of families with kids. <laughs> they don't seem to understand that. Yes, that when you looked at the groups of people coming through, what I saw was lots of older couples and older individuals who were visiting the museum. 
uh, there were also a fair number of families who were coming in. Uh, why is that difficult for them to understand? Here's one. He says, Ken Ham got together with the architects and emphasized you just need to make this box immense and he really didn't have a plan for what to put into it. And his imagination and his evidence were so feeble that he didn't have much in mind for the content of the giant box. So if you ever want to wander around inside a big wooden box, this is a place to go. That's my surmise about how it, how it was constructed. Uh, when you take the bus up to the Ark Encounter, you know, from the, from the parking area, there's a shuttle bus that takes you up to the actual Ark itself. Uh, they have a pre-recorded uh, lecture by Ken Ham, and all it talks about is the size of the Ark. It goes on and on. Uh, it's, it's so many feet above the ground. It's got so many stories inside. It's got this big pinnacle of wood on top of it that makes it, uh, I think, it was a total of 105 feet tall. So it's, he proudly announces that it's 10 stories high, uh, which is not so impressive, actually. Um, 10 stories isn't that huge. Uh, and also, when you actually get in there, what you discover is those 10 stories are taken up with a ground floor that, as I said, is basically a maze that throttles your passage into the into the ark. And then there, there are actually three decks, just three decks. One of the things they do to, to stretch it out that is indicative of this lack of imagination is that on every deck, there's just these piles of cages piled up there, just wooden boxes all over the place. Uh, with static statues or models of animals on the inside. That's it. And they they like to throw in obscure animal groups like as darkids and things like that that are that are just sitting there. Uh, but really, that's all it is. Is here's this wooden cage. And it's hard to see through. And inside, they've got a model of an animal. And then often they're playing some random animal noises, uh, like it's doing things. Uh, that is the bulk of what you find inside the Ark. We had a whole team of uh, researchers. Wait a minute, researchers? What kind of researchers? They had, if they had legitimate researchers, they would be telling them that, no, uh, these dinosaurs you're putting in there are about 70 million years old, uh, and you cannot fit them into an Ark 4,000 years ago. There's just a gigantic an anachronism going on here. And scriptwriters and all and artists, and it was all planned very carefully. And there were apparently artists at work, so I see, I, I mentioned that there's a lot of posters on the wall. Uh, watch, looking at these posters, what they most reminded me of is the fantasy art on magic cards or in Dungeons of, and Dragons books. They're, they're not scientific quality illustrations of real animals. But, you know, I wonder why he's so angry, and uh, I, I, here's what I've noticed. Okay, he's, gonna, he's about to psychoanalyze me, but I just want to go back to that. They, they kept mentioning that there were all these teachings there. Uh, if you listen to them, what you'll notice is they don't tell you what those teachings are. We're so, supposed to vaguely believe that there's wonderful, informative, instructive materials all over the place. And they're going to tell you over and over again, there's many teachings there, uh, but they don't tell you what those teachings are. And that's because they can't. There simply isn't much but a reiteration of mythology there. If you think about it, there can't be because their entire source is the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, and that's it. And it's not even a significant portion of the book of Genesis. It's a few pages from the Ark story. But okay, let's hear what they have to say about my psychological problems. Most of the atheists who are so angry against God and angry against Christians, I usually find it comes down to the issue of death and suffering. Yeah. How can you believe a lot of God with death and suffering? Okay, so this, this is a common theme as well, is that uh, atheists must be mad at God because they resent terrible things that have happened in their life. Uh, he's about to explain what the terrible things in my life were, but the truth is I've led a charmed life. I, I come from a happy family. Uh, I was brought up well. My parents 
did well by me. Um, I love my family, my brothers and sisters. And actually, you know, of course, at my age, I've lost relatives, I've lost friends. But in general, my attitude towards life is that I've had it pretty darn good. And I consider myself extremely fortunate. So when they try to portray me as this bitter fellow who's been devastated by loss, uh, they're getting it all wrong. Well, I found this uh, particular blog from PC Myers, and it's called Odious Christianity. Odious means repug repugnant and just, oh, just awful. And that's exactly what I think of the kinds of Christianity that can ham pedals. It's terrible stuff. My father, a good man, died quietly in his sleep on Christmas years ago of heart disease. He goes on, my sister, a good woman, died suffering in hospital bed of a massive systemic infection, leaving behind two young children. Now, wait a minute. That, that is not what I was complaining about. Yes, I'm very unhappy about those, those events in my life. But my objection to Ken's, Ken Ham's post, which he does not mention here, is that I reject his notion that these are caused by sin. That's what got me enraged is that he actually said that all the suffering in the world is due entirely to sin, people's sin. It, it's basically a kind of odious Christianity that says that all the bad things that happen to you, you deserve those to have happened to you. All the good things that happen to you come exclusively from his deity. And that's what I find repugnant, that he would take these events, like, for instance, the death of my father, um, and say that it was instead due to some sin that my father committed, or even worse, that some sin a distant ancestor of my father committed. I, I thoroughly reject the whole idea of sin, and it's one of the most awful criminal ideas that has come out of Christianity. He actually says this, Someday Ken Ham will die, and remember, it will be because he is struck down by his capricious God for his wickedness and every moment of his dying, if it be long and agonizing, will be deserved. Let me just mention that that was not me saying he deserves to die. That was me saying that Ken Ham's philosophy says that an agonizing death, if it should come to him, is deserved. And that bugs me. That's one of the things that has got, drove me away from Christianity, is not the fact that I experienced suffering in my life, but the fact that his version of Christianity claims that all that suffering is earned by people. Here's the thing. Yeah. He's angry at God and angry at Christians. I'm not angry at God. God doesn't exist. But I am angry at Christians who use this, this vindictive notion of a God to instill guilt and fear in people. Because of the death and suffering issue. Yeah. But he thinks evolution is wonderful. Yeah, which, which, which is death and suffering? Uh, no, actually, I think evolution is real. Evolution has been measured. We've seen this. We have determined that it happens. That does not in any way imply that I think it's a wonderful thing. I actually think that natural selection, for instance, has been a, a rather ruthless force in the history of life that the only way evolution proceeds is by death and suffering and competition. No, I shouldn't say that. There's also, it can also proceed by cooperation and assistance and mutual aid, but there's a significant component of death and suffering there. Uh, that does not mean that I worship death and suffering. That does not mean that I think this was a good thing. I think it's uh, an actuality of what has happened in the history of life. Well, if evolution is responsible for everything that we see, then it's responsible for all the death and suffering, then it's responsible for his father dying and for his sister dying. Again, yeah, that my father died because of a failing of biology. Biology is not perfect. That he got older, he had a history of heart disease, and he died. Uh, that does not mean I think it was a good thing. It does not mean that I think I, should, I need to worship this mysterious force that struck him down. It means that I have to accept 
uh, pain and loss as part of life without taking the step that these Christians do, which is to blame the victim for their own pain. Why doesn't he say odious evolution? Why, shouldn't that be the it's survival of the fittest. Ah, uh, yes, okay. So yes, my father was not the fittest. He died. That's inevitable. Someday I will die. Someday Ken Ham will die. Uh, someday Georgia Purdom and, and uh, Bodie Hodge will die. Um, and I recognize this is a fact of life. It has to happen. Uh, that does not mean, however, that I think that it is earned, that it is deserved. I do not think that either of those three people there deserve a horrible death or that if they experienced a horrible death, I would excuse it by saying, well, they sinned. But that's what they think. Well, you know, we saw the same with Charles Darwin, you know, when Annie died. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, he kind of lashed out at God. I hate the way they distort history that way. Uh, no, Annie, so Darwin's daughter Annie did die when she was very young, and it broke Charles Darwin's heart. And he was very distressed about this, of course. Uh, he felt the pain of loss. He did not lash out at God, though, but he, he, through his life, he'd been drifting away from a strict religious belief. And in fact, even when he was younger and his wife, who was a devout Christian, uh, neither of them felt the kind of Christianity that these three people do. Uh, they were believers in a kind of liberal Christianity that allowed for some humanity, unlike the horrible, odious garbage these people promote. Because they want to blame God for the death instead of understanding that God made the world perfect just because a man's in the world like this. They, they have it backwards. So we don't blame God for the death. We recognize that, the God, that death is a natural part of life. The people who are doing any blaming are these kinds of Christians who are turning around and blaming death on the people who died, which is what I find reprehensible. Well, you know, it's interesting. He says how uh, the wood is weathering. It's not going to last long. Actually, uh, <laughs> our artist deliberately chose a coir wood, which has undergone a process over the Netherlands for the outside, because over time it goes gray, and they want to have that gray look. Because we the want it ship. to look weathered. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. They want it to look weathered to make it look more realistic. Uh, this is not a realistic exhibit at all. This is a very silly kind of exhibit. Uh, you, you can't make something this fake look realistic. Um, I will accept, though, that, that yeah, this, this can be, you know, they could have selected a, a, a type of wood that would bleach in nice patterns and would look interesting. It's not particularly attractive. It's just it's kind of going gray is all. Um, but my real objection is I'm, I'm wondering how long this arc is going to last. Because as they mentioned, it's made out of wood. Um, you can have wooden buildings that last quite a long while. I have my doubts that they sunk enough money into the quality of this work to guarantee that it's going to last even a decade or two. Um, and the, the fact that it's already showing these distinctive signs of weathering just makes me wonder what's going to happen in 2030, for instance, with this thing. He also said the parking lot was a tenth of uh, what we needed. We, we fill one half mm -hmm. and then we move to the other half. Right. We've had to do that on real busy yeah, days. Exactly. And then for all the buses that are coming, so actually we need the big parking lot that we have. This, this is another point they, they are very, very strenuous about. Uh, no, their, their, their parking lot is gigantic. It was actually more impressive than the Ark, that they have de dedicated so much acreage to parking. Uh, when I got there, I drove for quite a while through lots and lots of empty space to get to my final parking spot. And I parked right near the shuttle pickup spot. There was absolutely no problem. There, there will never be problems getting parking at the Ark Encounter, okay? It's, it's that huge. Um, and I went there on a day that I admitted was fairly busy and had zero problem getting good parking 
right up near the shuttle, which you might say, okay, that's, that's an advantage. All right. Um, I do not believe for a minute that they have ever filled that lot. That's simply a lie. I would like to see photographs if they have. I would also point out that, as I mentioned, there's this, this beginning maze to throttle the, the crowds going through. Uh, on this day, it was good attendance. The parking lot was fractionally filled. I would hate to have to suffer through that on a day when they actually had the parking lot even half full. There would be a miserable wait to get into the interior of a big wooden box. This is not a Disney ride. This is just a demonstration of how big the arc is. And that's it. And it's really not worth a long wait. Uh, if they did get more people showing up there, it would be utterly miserable to visit this thing. Here he comes and writes this mocking report. Why should we be surprised? Because he said, I'm going to go and write a mocking report. Yes, I wrote a mocking report. I would have liked to have written a, a more substantial mock, mocking report, but there wasn't anything substantial to mock. I mean, seriously, there, there are little exhibits and displays. and There's dioramas all over the place that are ridiculous. Um, there are posters on the wall. Uh, there, there were uh, two video theaters where they were showing some of their canned movies at, at one end of the, of the arc uh, that I did not bother to pay attention to. I will admit that. But most of the displays were of pathetic quality. You know, for instance, let me just describe one for you. Um, there was one where they were arguing about the quality of other flood myths. As you probably know, there's a, there's a flood story in the Book of Gilgamesh, so there's these other mythological stories. There are, there are arguments that it was a kind of coracle, that the Ark was a coracle. Uh, the, the Ark described in the Gilgamesh as a big cube. Okay, and they had models of those. And then to show that the, their version of the biblical book is more accurate, they had a cartoon. And it made me laugh. Uh, what it was is they had a cartoon where they showed the cube-shaped Gilgamesh Ark or Utnapishtim's Ark, and there's some waves, and it sinks. And then they showed, here's the, here's the coracle version of the Ark, this big disc-shaped thing, and there's a cartoon, and there's some waves, and it sinks. And then there's their Ark, their big boat, and it slides nicely through it through the waves and doesn't sink. This demonstrates absolutely nothing. There is no engineering behind this. Uh, there, there is no mathematics behind it. There's no actual concrete evidence to support this claim. Uh, but they've got this elaborate cartoon that shows these three arcs and says only one would float. It is not evidence. It is not science. But this is pretty typical for what you find at the Ark Encounter. All right. This next article comes from Fox News. Bernie Sanders attacks Trump nominee. Okay, I'm going to stop there because, oh, uh, yeah, the rest of it's just more bullshit. Bye, PZ. Well, I was going to cover the rest of this episode, but that pretty much sums it up. Special thanks once again to PZ Myers for sharing his tale with us. If you don't already, check out his regular work at freethoughtblogs.com, and he has a YouTube channel where he shares amazing biology information and discusses the world of theism. Links in the description, or... Click on the circle with PZ's face to subscribe to his channel, then the circle with my face to subscribe to Apologia. And a shout-out to Steve McRae's Great Debate Community, which introduced me to PZ and got all this rolling. The amazing conversations continue there this week with round two of King Crocoduck versus Kent Hovind. Don't miss it. <laughs>